This is lesson number four, a teaching series. So this is lesson four. So I threw out four weeks ago, I started uh, um, <clears throat> how to hear the voice of God in the details of life. We're going through some very challenging moments in our nation's history and in the history of the world. I do think, and I've said this before, let me repeat, I think we're, we're right at a, at, a, at a changing point. And at some point, uh, the world will change in dramatic ways. Our nation's really, really going through some tough times as we've talked about, prayed about. Uh, these, is on, these are only previews of things that are to come. Spirit of Antichrist is rising up. And there are going to be some challenging uh, things worldwide. So Jesus is coming back, and it looks like we may be the generation and the people group that see him come back. Would you be excited about that? Now, when Jesus comes back, you got to let go of everything, you know, Right? I mean, if, if, you know, whatever you're doing, I mean, you got to let it go and be willing to, to, I mean, it's going to be a huge change. You will no longer be here. You'll be in heaven. Are you ready for that? You know, that's a challenging word, isn't it? You know, I don't know about you, but I've been living in this body of mine almost 62 years. And I, you know, I got some ingrained thoughts and habits. Do you? But to think that suddenly we're going to be snatched up. Now that's a different way of thinking. So until then, until that happens, and it'll be a while, I'm, I feel, uh, we need to hear from God more today now than ever. So there's some things I've shared and, uh, along the way. Let me review quickly the last three weeks of ministry. I started out with Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led, you could translate that, guided by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. And then Proverbs 20, verse 27, the Spirit of man is the lamp, or you could say the candle, or you could say the light bulb of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. What are, what are those verses saying? God leads us where he is. Uh, where, where, does, where does the Holy Spirit live inside of us? He lives in our human spirit. So God will enlighten us and God will guide us, illuminate us where he is. And that's deep inside of us. And uh, as we, uh, beginning next week, we're really going to get into the focal point of how to hear and the ways that he specifically speaks in specific guidance. So uh, the first week we talked about a man named Gideon in the Old Testament. He didn't have the Holy Spirit living in him and he was looking for outward things. Lord, if you want me to do this, then you do this. And often in our lives today, how many know often, uh, you do what Gideon did. He put out a fleece from a sheep and, and, you know, said, God, if you want me to do this, cause this fleece to have this or this. And we do the same thing. We quote unquote, put out a fleece when we say, God, if you want me to do this, then you do this. And then I'll know that you've spoken. How many know that's not the way you receive guidance from the Lord? Why? Because Satan is the God of this world. He has a legal right to be here and demon spirits can mimic God and they can stir up circumstances to look like, well, doesn't that just look perfect? And it's not. It's a counterfeit. How many hear me? So we don't, we're, not, we're led by the Holy Spirit, not by outward things. Week two, we talked about the fact there are two kinds of guidance that we receive from the Lord. And I, we looked at two Greek words um, for the word word in the New Testament. The first one's logos. Everybody say logos. The Bible is the logos. The sum total of everything God has said to humanity is right between the pages of this uh, leather book we call the Bible, 66. 66 books we call the Bible. That's the, the Logos. And we've mentioned the fact that uh, unless you take a hold, get a hold of the Logos and get it inside of you, get the Word inside of you, memorize Scripture, let the Word be something that you think about. If you get the Logos in you, and if we're gen obeying the general Word of God, we're loving our neighbor, we're forgiving others, uh, we're being kind to others, we're doing what the Bible says, right? If you do that, then you're a candidate for the second 
kind of guidance, which is the second Greek word, which is rhema. Everybody say rhema. And that means the word of God's quickened or spoken to you, specifically spoken to your heart. And so the Holy Spirit will quicken things to us, often it's scripture. And then as we get into this, there's often that God will speak to us about specifics. The Bible doesn't tell you what, what, where to buy your home, what kind, of, what kind of occupation to have, who to marry, where to live. Those kinds of incidentals, we have to get that from the Holy Spirit with specific guidance. And we become a candidate for that when we get serious with the book. How many hear what I just said? Not just hearing on Sundays, but putting it into practice Monday through Saturday and Sunday as well. How many agree with that? So talked about that the second week, third week, last week. We talked about, and I'm going to go right back into this because I didn't get through last week, talking about the fact that we are spiritual beings living in physical bodies. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, if you can put that, if you can put that, uh, uh, yeah, you got it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. To understand how God speaks to us is really important to understand how we're made. We're not just a mind and body. We're spirit, spirit, soul, and body. Everybody say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. See, it seems to me really uh, fundamental, perhaps archaic, but if you make things really simple in a way you can understand and live them daily, it really makes a difference in life. So I've been doing this for this year, 44 years. I've been thinking, and when I think about me, I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, I spent most of my early life just a mess. I was on drugs as a teenager, you know my story. But, you know, the, the fundamental change for me came when I saw the most important part of me is spirit. You know, I had an accident uh, when I was 16, a car accident. Uh, July 20th, 1975, and um, it's just before I turned uh, 17. And, uh, <clears throat> and when, when the accident occurred, it was right after a church service, and I wasn't walking with God, I had a girlfriend right beside me in the seat. And when I had that accident, I mean, it happened in a millisecond, but I'm, a, boy, I'm not going to tell the whole story except to say when it occurred. My whole life loomed before me in picture form. I don't know how that happens. I don't know what apparatus causes that to happen. I'm just telling you that's the way it was. And I heard the pastor in the service that I just left say, you may not have another chance to get right with God. You may go to hell today. I said, whoa, whoa. So I totaled my car. My girlfriend almost went through the windshield, and she was terribly injured, head injury. And uh, we were rushed to a hospital. But I want you to know something. I, I, I saw right then. You know, when you're young, you think you're never going to die. And you think your whole life is in front of you. But if you're ever confronted with the, with, with, with the termination of the physical, boy, I'll tell you what, it'll make you, make you think. So I was pretty overwhelmed by that uh, uh, riding in the uh, ambulance on the way to the hospital with my girlfriend's father tailing us about, about a foot and a half from the ambulance in the back, and we're zooming down these uh, windy roads. And I was thinking to myself, my Lord, I almost went to hell. I almost went to hell. And that was the beginning of a change. Eventually, I came to the Lord. And when I came to the Lord, my thinking changed. Instead of thinking as a, of myself as a physical person, I started thinking of myself as a spiritual person. Because when that happened, 
I saw that spiritual things are very real. The spirit of man never dies. How many hear me? The eternal part of me is spirit. That's the part that God deals with. All the rest is superfluous. Or all the rest of it changes. It doesn't, you know, it matters, but not as much as the spirit of man. How many hear me? And so before that, my life was definitely different. I magnified the physical. Uh, I, I, I lived by what I thought and felt, and I was always thinking of what others thought about me. But that millisecond in time, you know, when my car hit me, we crossed a ditch, and my shoulder hit the ceiling. I still see it. I was confronted with the fact that I am a spirit. The real me will never cease to exist, nor will you. You'll live in eternity, either in heaven or in, in a place that nobody in the 21st century wants to talk about, preach about, even think about, a place called hell, a place where there's fire, a place where there are worms. That's what it says in the Bible. I don't understand that, but it does say the fire will never go away. And I don't know about you, but the most important part to me is my spiritual life. If I take care of my spiritual life, everything else will fall into place. If my spiritual life is not where it needs to be, nothing else will work right. It won't sink. You know what I'm saying? So you know you, you, want, you want to sink your computer to the cloud. But if there's one anomaly, if there's something wrong, if you don't have the right password, things just don't work, right? So, you know, for me, I got an iPhone, an iPad, and a, and a MacBook Pro. And so I want them all to link and sync together well, that means all of them got to have the same password, right? And, and all of them got to be working as they should, right? Well, spiritually speaking, it's the same way. If my inner person that's created to know, this is none of this is in my head. What am I going to do? <laughs> Again, if my inner person is not in sync with God and not in harmony with him, the thoughts won't be right. My thoughts will be out of sync with heaven and with what is, is most important to me. The unimportant becomes too important if I don't walk with God. Yes or no? Boy, oh boy. Right? And then the physical. You know, harmony, internal harmony creates external health. And if there's not harmony on the inside, it's hard to have health on the outside. It's hard to build on something. You know, my dad used to say, Mitch, he was, a, he was a, a carpenter. That's not all he did. He was a jack of all trades in some way. But um, my grandfather was a finished carpenter, great guy, built our house. And my dad was a carpenter to some degree. He, always, he, he, would, he would always say, you know, Mitch, it's, always, it's really hard to, to build a house on rotten wood. And he'd say that to me in various ways, sinking that to various things in life. And how many know that's true? Unless, unless you're right on the inside. It's hard for the outside side to sink as it should. Now, I'm speaking to someone. feels like somebody online. You're having physical problems that will not stop. And you're wondering why. And one of the reasons is you're not settled on the inside. There are problems. There's some people you need to let go of in your past that have hurt you very deeply. And until you deal with that, these physical things are not going to abate or cease because there's agitation on the inside. A sound heart is the life and health of the body. How many hear me? But envy is as rottenness to the bones. Envy, speaking of emotional agitation, 
It comes from all kinds of things. How many know you can't help what happens to you? But you can help how you deal with it. You can choose to let it go. You can choose to forgive. Or you can choose to brood over it and think about it. Be mad about it and let it mold your life. And if you do, it warps you. How many hear me? None of this is in my notes, but there it is. So how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a spiritual being or a physical being or a mental being? Some people see themselves purely as a financial being. And as long as the money's being made by the business or the bank accounts are doing well, the money's coming in, they're happy as a lark in the pine tree. But the moment that the money starts coming in, they start feeling bad, stops coming in, they start feeling bad about them. So that's a wrong focus in life, isn't it? Or young people often, you know, as long as you got a bunch of people liking your stuff on the Facebook page, or they're looking at your Instagram or whatever else social media that you use, and you get a lot of likes, you got a lot of followers, got your little video going, you're just happy as you can be. Well, you know, your life is built on the wrong thing. What if they shut Facebook down? What are you going to do then? If your life's built on that, your ship is sunk, right? So I see a lot of people, their, their, their value of themselves is based on others. And our value should be based on who God sees, how God sees us, and how he thinks about us. Yes or no? Anyway, I'm just meandering along here. I didn't mean to say anything I just said. It's not in my notes. I don't know what will happen second service. Maybe not that. Do you think of yourself as a spirit being first? I just added this to my notes as I was sitting over there, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If you then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above or one translation says, be constantly seeking those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So I'm supposed to be thinking heaven. I'm supposed to be living from that vantage point in life. Yes or no? If you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Somebody said, Lester Sumrall, who died in 1996, wonderful man of God, he said, if you're not seeking those things which are above, you can get mighty tired of the things below. Is that true? So if you're having an oppressive time, a depressive time, you're probably focusing on the wrong things. If I focus on me, how many know I'm going to get discouraged? If I focus on others, I'm going to get mad. But if I focus on God, I'll stay happy and full of joy. Is that true? So what, do you, what are you focusing on? I mentioned this last week. What is, the, what is your focus? Is it appearance? Is it your intellect, your pedigree, what family you're from? Uh, is it your skills, your ability, your wealth? Is, your, is it your ethnicity? And I mentioned last week again, you want to solve the problems in America? Let's get our eyes off of our skin color and what people are or aren't doing for us. And let's get our eyes on who Jesus is and what he did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's get our eyes on his blood that set us free. Yes or no? Well, Mitch, Pastor Mitch, you're not looking at the problems. You're right. No, you look beyond the problem to the answer. And his name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. Yes or no? If we focus on the wrong thing, we'll get the wrong thing constantly. Is that true? So a spiritually minded person, this is what I want to hone in on today, thinks of spiritual things first. So, you know, ask yourself, do I put spiritual things first or do I put mental things first or do I put relational things first or do I put financial things first? See? So what do you do? 
And see, that determines what kind of life you have. You know, if you don't put spiritual things first, every day is different. And you're probably going to be somewhat like a yo-yo. One day you feel great, the next day you feel lousy, and you're led by circumstances. We're not to be led by outward things. We're to be led by the Lord, and that's on the inside. And how many know he never changes? If you want a constant life, a life where regardless of how you feel, you maintain That's not ignoring things. That's not ignoring circumstances. It's seeking first the kingdom of God. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God, then when you feel bad, you just keep moving. When you feel glad, you just keep moving. When things, when people are singing your praises, you just keep moving. When people are chewing you out, you just keep moving. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how many think we can be that way? doesn't mean that we're not challenged. doesn't mean that we don't have problems. And it doesn't mean that you don't say to somebody, yep, I'm having a challenging day. But you can add it by saying, you can add to it an addition, but God is good. When I first came to the Lord, this was a, a phrase people said regularly. In fact, we had a little song. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Is that right? So what do you do? So I want to go a bit further here. This was in the notes last week that I did not get to. I want to talk about being a spiritual being in a physical body. So I just want you to see the references in Scripture. I did this study many years ago, and I just referenced the fact that the the Bible elevates the spirit of man over every other part of our being, over the soul. The soul is the mind, emotions, volition, or will. You know, all of us think, we reason, we feel and we make decisions. That soul, those are soulish things. And then we have the five physical senses that we have to deal with. But the spirit of man is the most eternal part of us, and that's what we should pay attention to. Job 32, 8, look at this. But there is a spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them. That makes them intelligent. Romans 1, 9, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing... I make mention of you always in my prayers. I think uh, everywhere Paul went, he was ridiculed uh, because he was a very short man. He wasn't anything great physically, but he was a but but he was a a strong man physically. He was a weightlifter spiritually. How many hear me? And so I think the Apostle Paul, because his physical stature was the way it was, he was so small, smaller than the average person of his day. Uh, You know, he magnified the spirit nature of man. Philippians 3, verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the what? Rejoice in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Let me take a little side journey here. You know, when when I first came to the Lord, I went to a charismatic church in my hometown in 1976 and the only thing I knew about church was you had an organ on one side, the piano on the other side. And they were always playing the organ and piano when you walked in the church. You remember that? If you were from a denominational world. Well, I came into that when they had a set of drums, had a guy playing a trumpet, had a guy playing a guitar, and they did have a big old pipe organ. It was an old Baptist church, and then had the piano. And so we get to worship in the Lord, and they would sing songs that I had. They sang hymns. They also sang songs I'd never heard. But I started a habit when I first came to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Spirit, closed my eyes. And they would be worshiping the Lord. I just shut my eyes. And I just think about it. And, and I, nobody told me to do this. I just did. I said, well, I don't want anybody else to get in the way of me worshiping the Lord. So I just shut my eyes so I wouldn't see everybody. And, and nothing physically would bother me. And I just worship and sing some of the hymns I sang as a kid. So I knew those. 
I'd sing those songs and, and God would just minister to me. I'd see myself before his throne. There's his throne and there's a rainbow of colors around him and angels all around him. There he is in heaven. It's a very bright, translucent place and I'm worshiping the Lord. And every time I, I, I said, Lord, I can't wait to come to church because it's going to shut my eyes like I am right now. I'm just going to worship. And y'all, I mean, the Spirit of God would minister to me every single time. I don't care if they were off key. I don't care if the drummer wasn't beating that snare drum properly or, or if they were off with the guitar. It didn't matter to me because I'm worshiping. How many hear me? And the problem today is, the problem is we've glamorized the physical at the expense of the spiritual. I mean, we got lights and stuff. Some people add the smoke and all that. You know, I don't, I don't care about that. But if that's, if that's what it takes to make a worship experience, you ain't worshiping God. My experience is, and I've, I've been on a bunch, probably over 40 trips to other countries, and a lot of them to some pretty, pretty nat- terrible places. Uh, um, no running water, no electricity. But y'all, I've had the same Spirit of God that ministers life in here, ministered me under a big old oak tree, and it's over 100 degrees outside, and we get to singing and worship in the same Holy Spirit. How many know it doesn't take all this to worship God? He said, we worship God in the Spirit. One translation says, and by the Spirit of God, and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So I encourage you, even now, wherever you go to church, if you come to victory, great. Uh, you know, don't be looking at the, instead of looking at the praise and worship team and the lights that may change colors or may not change colors or, the, or, or, or new things we could do on the stage, close your eyes and start worshiping and praising and the Spirit of God will minister life to you. How many hear me? And you know, you'll find if you can do it here, you can do it at home. Or you can do it in your car. I got to the point I didn't need to close my eyes because I was listening on the inside and I was worshiping God on the inside. How many know you'll have an experience if you do? Magnify the spiritual over the physical. That's what I'm saying here. Second Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. There's an outward man, there's an inward man. If you magnify the outward man, then some days you get up and if you worked out the day before, you're like, mm, that really hurts. Or, you know, maybe you're just tired because you've overworked and, you know, maybe you had a 12-hour or 13, 14-hour day the day before, tried to get something eaten and went on to sleep and got up and you just feel like something hit you. Well, how many know you can live beyond that? You feel that. But though the outward man's decaying, perishing, the inward man's being stirred up every single day. Yes or no? It was said of Smith Wigglesworth, you can read this in his books in fact, Lester Sumrall was at his house in England. Lester Sumrall was an, um, sorry, Smith Wigglesworth was an English evangelist. I mention him, you know, every once in a while. But uh, Lester Sumrall, as a young man, would frequent his house, found out where he lived in London, England, said, can I come and see you? He said, I'd be glad for you to come and see me, young man. You come anytime. We had walk in his house. And uh, Lester asked him one day, he said, well, well, how do you get up in the morning? And Smith Wigglesworth said, when I get up in the morning, I throw the bed covers off of me. And he said, I put my feet on the floor. And he said, I dance. I just dance before the Lord for a while. And then I tell Jesus how much I love him and how I praise him for saving me. And Lester said, but you don't feel that. And when he said feel, he said, Smith Wigglesworth just went into a tizzy. He said, I don't think about how I feel. I just worship. See, he was separating the physical from the spiritual. How many hear me? 
Y'all are real quiet today. Though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed every single day. Think of spirit first, spiritual things first. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. We know when this earthly tent we live in is taken down. That is when we die and leave this earthly body. We have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. Again, the idea 21st century, we magnify the physical. I mean, people are trying to prop it up, squeeze it in. Do whatever, but that physical body's going to sag, bag, wrinkle, turn colors, turn gray, get spots on your skin. And there's nothing you're going to do about that. It's just going to, you can rub cream and salve, and you can take all the, all the vitamins you want to take. But I'm going to tell you, the aging process just happens. I know they're looking for an elixir that will keep aging from happening. You'll live forever. You know, listen, you just got a few years in this body. You're going to have eternity with the Lord. So, you know, give it up, guys. Everybody in history is dead. One day you'll be history, right? In fact, I was listening to John Maxwell the other day. He said, you know, don't think too much of yourself because once they do the eulogy and when you die and everybody's, you know, crying over your funeral, then everybody's, the next step is they're over there eating a meal together and the most important thing to them is where is the potato salad? Though the outward man perishes, the inward man's renewed. So, you know, magnify the spirit. So, you know, that's what he was saying. How many are excited about you're going to get a new body? You know, most of us want to hang on to this one as long as we can. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, the truth is God created us to never die. We're never supposed to die. But sin, the, the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, and then physical death, which is separation of the spirit and soul from the body. And uh, so, you know, uh, it's something we got to deal with. But if you magnify the spirit, physical over the spiritual, you're always afraid to die. I don't know about you. You know, here's the deal, even with the corona thing. What if you get it and die? You go to heaven. I mean, you can't lose. Now, I don't think I'm going to get it, and I don't think I'm going to die. It's not time for me to die yet. What about you? So, you know, we're hanging on to life, and we should, and we should do the things that spawn and further life and keep us healthy, but at the same time, we can put too much emphasis on this current life, and we miss God's best. Yes or no? So, I don't know about you. I say things. I say things out loud about myself. I say I'm going to live a long time. I say I'm going to have a strong, astute mind as long as I live. I'm going to be physically agile and strong lifelong. Somebody said, well, you better shut up. The devil might hear you. That's why I'm saying it, because I want him to hear me, because I'm speaking what I believe from my heart, right? You got to do that. as a, Don't be saying, well, I don't know. Something must be wrong with me. I can't, I can't remember somebody's name. Well, you joined the human race. Yeah. <laughs> no? Oh, I forgot this. I'll tell you in a minute. You ever say, well, I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, what's so-and-so's name? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. And then the devil says, well, see, you got, a, you got the beginning stages of something that you don't want. You're going to lose it. You're losing your mind. Shut up. Just don't say that. I say I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of God. My mind is as sharp as it ever will be. Right? So as you age, you need to do that. You need to quit saying, well, I got a creek here. I got an ache here. This one don't work. Hush. Say, you know, Jesus is keeping me strong, lifelong. Right? Philippians 1.22, if I live in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. This is the Apostle Paul, his emphasis on the spirit nature. For I'm hard-pressed in between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. 
Now, I know there's not a man in his, looked at his wife and said, well, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. <laughs> Nobody's going to say, we don't even talk that way. I think, you know, I read this stuff, I think, Paul, what kind of person are you that you're talking to somebody and says, you know, I'd rather be with the Lord. I'd just rather go ahead and be in heaven. Most of us don't think that way, and it shows you his focus on life. He's focused on the spiritual rather than the natural things all the time, right? It's so crosswise of our culture. Would you agree? And then just the way he talked about his body, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he said, but I discipline my body. A body was something that he had. It wasn't the real him. I discipline, he didn't call his body me. His spiritual nature was him. But I discipline my body. So if you think about it in this term, he separated him from his body. He was thinking about his spiritual nature first. Somebody, and, and, and somebody will take that too far and say, well, well, since I'm not really my body, I'm me and I'm the spiritual person, then it don't matter what I do with my body because that's not me. No, no, no. You're responsible for what you do while you're living in that body, friend. You're responsible to keep it pure, keep it holy, right? And live right. But he said here, I discipline my body, bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then Peter, he even thought this way. Yet I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent, called his body a tent, a temporary dwelling, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. He called his body a tent. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Peter also called his spirit nature, listen to this, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. The spirit of man, the hidden person. King James says hidden man of the heart. The hidden person. That's the deepest part of me. The real me is spirit nature. And I'm not going to take time to read all this, but I would encourage you to go to Luke 16. It's in the notes and again, I encourage you to go to the notes on the website. Everything, I, most of what I say, except when the Holy Ghost, you know, leads me on a tangent, is in here. But Luke 16, Jesus uh, gave the, uh, the uh, illustration of a, a rich man who was clothed in fine clothes and lived in luxury and a poor name, man named Lazarus that was uh, sickly and didn't have enough to eat. And it says the poor man died and was carried by the angels to a certain place in heaven, a place before they, I don't even have time to describe it, at, to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and was buried and his soul went to the place of the dead. And the whole rest of that, that sequence of scripture, Luke 16, 19 through 31, he's talking about the afterlife. There is life beyond this one. You remember, say, what you gonna be like in heaven? You're gonna look like you look now, now with the blemishes gone. One day you'll have a glorified body. You'll be a spirit, a, a, a bodiless spirit. When you die, your spirit goes to heaven. My father's in heaven. Uh, Susan's mom and dad are in heaven. I have other uh, relatives and friends that I know have already, uh, are, they're in heaven, but they don't have a body. Then what do they look like in heaven? Are they just, you know, orbs of spirit matter? No, they're human. The spirit looks like you. Your spirit, my spirit fits in me like a glove. When I was a little boy, and I got to hurry here, when I was a little boy, we had a man that worked for our electric company, and in 1959, and he would talk to the youth and such, he was up on top of a pole, and 10,000 volts of electricity burned his arm off, his right arm. 
And so literally, I mean, they cut his arm off right here at the shoulder. And as a little boy, I mean, little kids are just staring. We looked, you know. He said, what you looking? He'd tell us about what happened and all that. And he came to the Lord as a result. I mean, he got, the, he got it scared right out of him. You know, he came to the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, but he talked to us about it. And then you know what he told me? He said, now, Mitch, it's a funny thing. Because he became a friend of mine when I came to the Lord because he's in our church. And he said, you know, it's a funny thing, but I have phantom pain. He said, I can feel fingers. Sometimes I, I feel like I can feel them and I can feel my wrist. I can feel my arm. I said, wow, really? He said, oh, yeah. He said, people that lose a limb, it's that way. And you know why? Your spirit fits in your body like a glove. You can't cut the spirit arm off. It's still there. But there's no body to support it if you cut the physical, right? All right so you look like you. When you get to heaven, you look like you. In heaven, guess what? I'll have hair. In heaven, all the blemishes are removed. All the aging process is gone. Your spirit, though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm not, an, I'm not a day older than I was yesterday spiritually. In my, my spirit person. Now, yes, spirit person grows as your body grows, but once you reach, adult, adult, reach adulthood, that's it. But you, you're ageless spiritually. Isn't that something? So when I see you in heaven, you're going to be pretty. You're going to be handsome. What? Oh, you'll recognize me with hair. I had pretty hair. Didn't I, Susan? I can't wait to see my hair. What? What'd you say? I had curly brown hair. True. Yeah. But just think about that. That's what you'll be in heaven. And that's what you'll be like. You're, 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 uh, the whole thing, the reason I'm saying that is your spirit fits in your body like a hand fits into a glove. Think about it that way. So you wonder what people in the afterlife are going to look like. Will you recognize others? I'll do a whole series sometimes on heaven. You'll recognize others. You'll still have your mannerisms. You'll still have your thoughts if you read this passage. You'll still know even as you're known. Uh, you'll remember things because this passage, these, these folk, he, re he remembered his brothers on earth. Uh, the rich man did, and he wanted somebody to tell him not to come to this terrible place that I've had to go to. He remembered. You'll have memory in heaven. So, you know, I, if you've had somebody that's just recently gone to be with the Lord, think about the fact they're not dead, they're alive. And then think about the fact that they know you. They may not know what you're doing right now. Nothing in the Bible says that they can see us. They can't come to be with us. Demon spirits will mimic the dead. And now people are trying to do things to try to, well, I want to hear from mom. I want to hear from daddy. Well, you don't need to be doing that. Demon spirits will mimic them. Familiar spirits that are familiar with your family. Don't do that. So in heaven, you know, you're going to know just as you're known. You know, my, my father probably thinks about me every day. I have many of his. I walk like my father walked. You know, I think the way he thought because I have his DNA in me. So I often think about my dad. He's probably thinking about me. Susan's mom and dad, we miss them terribly. I think about them. Well, they're spirit persons in heaven. And when Jesus comes back at the rapture, that new body comes. It comes from the earth and they join together again. And they have a, a, a spiritualized body like Jesus had. Won't that be exciting? So I'm a spiritual being. I have a soul. I live in a physical body. So, so you know, if you think that way, I'll close with this. Uh, two things before I close. When, when you think of yourself this way, then, you know, the challenges that come in life can be resisted. If I see myself as a spiritual being first, what does that mean? I'm going to put what God says about me first. 
See, if I'm a doer of the word, not just hearing, if I come on Sunday and do nothing with what I hear, this won't benefit me. The only way this has ever worked for me, I've gone to church all my life. I've listened to pastors all my life. I've listened to teaching on CDs or cassette tapes or MP3s, whatever the age was. But, you know, I get the word in me, so I'm going to put that into practice. I'm going to do that. When you practice the word, it changes you. And you know what that means? Regardless of what comes down the pike of life, you can handle it, right? So, you know, particularly for me, this was always a challenge for me. I've been so many dozens and dozens of times, uh, for instance, to Africa, to India. It's 10,000 miles on the other side of the world. And so many times I'm on an airplane or I'm in a hotel and, you know, I'm preaching and I get, I'm just by myself. I have four children. I have my wife. I, sometimes I'd take a letter from, from my children, write me notes, and I miss my children. Or sometimes I take some of Susan's perfume. <laughs> Remember what Susan smelled like. I miss my wife, you know? But you get, you get lonely. But, you know, you say, well, and you start feeling like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm the only person in the world. Nobody anywhere around me knows me, knows who I am, knows my likes, my dislikes, or perhaps even cares about me except the, the people I'm ministering to, and they really don't know me. But then Scripture would come, for he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. See, those kind of things would come to me over and over. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. How many hear me? So I'm, I'm ministering on the other side of the world. How do you keep your mental equilibrium? You keep yourself in the spirit. You think about spiritual things first, and you can cause this other stuff to be pushed out of the way. How many hear me? Or you can get really, really down. Spiritual attacks come. I've had spiritual attacks in ministry here, ministry overseas. I mean, if you're walking with God, the devil doesn't like the fact that you love Jesus and that you read your Bible and that you pray. He's going to do everything he can. He and his familiar spirits that are familiar with you, your family, your background, where you've been and what you've done. The devil doesn't know everything, but, it, but, but his demon spirits can listen and hear what you say and they may know something about your family background. And when all those attacks come if you resist them by saying what God says about you out loud you can overcome is that good news and you just learn to do that when I came to Raleigh I'm telling oh my goodness uh, you know it seems like I, I heard Kenneth Hagin say this when he first entered into ministry he's one of my uh, spiritual mentors in the Lord he said when he entered into the final phase of his ministry in 1950 and really started traveling and ministering to every demon in hell, it seems like, ganged up on him. He said he had more spiritual battles in the first few months than he did all of his life prior to that. And I had that same thing happen to me when I came here to Raleigh. When I came and we had a little church on Garner Road, then we were in the shopping center for six years. I tell you, it seems like every day was a mental, emotional battle. You may be having a mental and emotional struggle, negative thoughts constantly barraging you. When you have those things understand often it's not you it's demon spirits trying to whip you they want to whip your tail they want you to backtrack and 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 run away and uh, and turn around and run spiritually and leave what you're doing the more you aggress in god the more the spiritual battles increase and if you're really smart, you'll learn to do what Jesus said. When Satan came to him in the uh, wilderness experience he had where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, every time Satan came, uh, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. 
And, and when the thoughts come to you, you learn to say, you know what? If God be for me, who can be against me? He that spared not his own son, how will he not give me, uh, for me, give me all things? Because of him, give me all things. Right? Nay, all these things I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Right? If, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. You will have them. Those scriptures would come to me when I'm having a hard time. And I just say, God, here's what you said. I choose not to go by what I'm thinking or feeling. I choose to go by what I'm believing, right? Physical attacks come. When physical attacks come, you can do one of two things. You can either go to Google and, oh, I wonder what that feeling is. I wonder what that symptom is. I wonder what, wonder what people are saying. Well, that's the dumb thing to do. The smart thing to do is go see what God says. God says himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses when he took my sins. God's word says, God's word says, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases. How many hear me? Say what God says about you. When financial attacks come, I've had financial attacks all my life in various ways. And if you live any length of time, you'll have them too. But my, and what happens when they come? Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I need to go do that. No, no, no. What you need to do is say what God says. Here's what I found out. When attacks come, say what God says. You say, well, why is that important? Words come from your human spirit. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you say what God says and you speak God's word and you've been thinking on it and it comes up from inside of you, it's your spiritual nature ruling you. And here's what I found out. Your spiritual nature can override the overwhelming feelings and thoughts of defeat that come down the pike of life in all sorts of ways. How many hear me? Stand up and say what God says. That's what I say. Hallelujah. You know, seven years ago, I'll have to stop pretty soon there. Seven years ago, we bought this building. I didn't tell you all all of this, but we bought this building. We upfitted this building, spent not quite a, a three-quarters of a million dollars upfitting after we bought it and took, you know, from April to September, moved in here September 1st, 2013. Well, what, what you didn't know is we still have a mortgage on our other building. So we moved in here. We had to make payments on this. We had to keep the other building up, which means all the utilities, insurance, payments, mortgage, all that. We had to keep that up and this. Boy, it strained everything we had financially in this ministry. And, you know, every day I get up and I'm thinking, my mind's thinking, what, what you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? And I kept saying, well, I'm just going to act like God's word is true. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. wasn't my plan. It was God's plan. If it was God's plan, then he pays for what he, that what he leads you to do, right? And it just amazingly worked out. You'll find that same thing in your own personal life. How many hear me? See, I've got so much more to say. Let me end by saying this. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. When I was baptized with the Holy Spirit at almost 18, uh, it, it changed me so much. And if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, what you'll find out is the baptism with the Holy Spirit will enhance your spiritual life and bring to the forefront spiritual things. 
How many are baptized by the Holy Spirit have seen that happen in your own life? There's a, a spiritual initiative. There's a spiritual drive. And there are thought patterns that come with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit not only is in you. When you're born again, how many know the Holy Spirit comes to live in you? But when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're immersed in the Holy Spirit. Just like this bottle's got water in it. But if I put it in a tub of water, it's got water all around. That's what happens with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And it enables you to think spiritually. I mean, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit September 12th, 1976, about 7.20 at night. It was a Sunday night. The next morning, I went to work where I worked at a grocery store. I was 17. And I couldn't keep my mind off spiritual things. And I remember thinking all day long, what is this? I'm thinking about the Lord all the time. I've never done this my whole life. I've wanted to know the Lord. I've wanted to walk with Jesus, but I've never been like this. I couldn't keep my mind off spiritual things. I mean, things constantly came up to me. Scripture came up to me. Songs would come up to me. And, and then the other thing that just blew me away was the first time I saw someone, you know, we, we, we opened the store. When the store opened and, you know, the uh, people would come in to buy things and they'd come down my aisle I never had this experience. I, I would look at people and, and instead of seeing the physical person, I was thinking, I wonder how they're doing spiritually. I'd never done that, right? How about you? So the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it enhances your spiritual walk with God and will enable you to put, help, it'll help enable you to put spiritual things first. Again, there are people who are baptized with the Holy Spirit, but lay it down, do nothing with it, and it doesn't benefit their life. But if you walk in the light of that experience, it'll change how you live your life. It'll help you put spiritual things first. So if you're here in the room and you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, you know the Lord Jesus, you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. There is a second work of the Spirit called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. They received it on the day of Pentecost. When you receive that experience, you'll also pray in the Spirit. That is, you'll pray in other tongues. I've done that every day of my life ever since September 12, 1976. And praying in the Spirit itself, this is in the notes, praying in the Spirit itself, it will enhance your spiritual your spiritual dimension and make you think about spiritual things and bring them to the, uh, up to the surface of your life so you're constantly thinking about the Lord, constantly thinking about spiritual things. How many hear me? And when you do that, life changes. And when you do that, you'll be able to hear the voice of God in the details of life.